episode 64, day 14 of quarantine. This is Tobe Johnson with Strange Brow Radio. No cuts, no edits. It's going to be raw and unfiltered, and that I can promise you may be my new personality, full bore, as well as yours. How are you guys doing? Thank you for listening still when you could be doing a lot of other things like trying to find gloves and teepee what a weird pastime to be having well (laughs) our sponsorship right now is brought to you by sanity yes sanity get a full dose of sanity while you still can brought to you by the good folks at jack daniels (laughs) oh my goodness um we have a good episode coming up for you today. We need a we need a, a good Sasquatch episode, so we'll be right back and I'll tell you more about our special guest. Okay, so as I said, day 14 uh, of self-quarantining, absent any symptoms or viral infection that I know of. Although now I'm looking back at the haunted nail and scratching my head and saying, I don't know, haunted virus? That was a two-day, mostly, um, I guess we call it intestinal issue going on. But this is a very weird symptomatic thing. And we just ended up cutting together Viral Survival Part 2 with Rich Germo. So that will be coming up later. And um, that was a good two and a half hour talk. So that's going to be a mother load. We got a lot of episodes coming up. I've obviously had more time on my hand like you have. So that's uh, that's a good thing. But this is uh, it's actually getting, you know, the romance period of being on a two week vacation is a little tougher when the clouds come in. So that's what we're experiencing now for the next hopefully not seven days. But that's what they're saying. So we'll just be cutting together as many podcasts as we can until we can't do them anymore. So look forward to, uh, I guess, downloading more. Maybe Monday will just be uh, another day of the week and not necessarily a download day. Maybe we'll just be able to push out two or three a week. And if we can, we will. I'll tell you more. And um, when things tighten up again, we'll go back to our regular schedule. But as of now, no changes. All right. Today's guest, as I said, is... Going by the name Todd. Now, Todd and I um, definitely know one another, and we have a storied history. And it has been a long time coming since Todd was on the record about any of this. He's been written about in Tom Powell's book, Edge of the Science. I've alluded to him before when I've spoken of uh, certain stories, including uh, one I call the Wall of Jello or the um, Converse that were left behind. Now, Todd wants to get this journey of his off his chest and it's uh, like I said it's been a long time coming and this is not something I asked for this was something he asked for and so we spent uh, the better part of uh, nearly hour and a half or longer um, hopefully doing uh, part one of uh, a several part series because I think there's a lot of information there regarding the Sasquatch phenomenon and everything that surrounds it so He's going to do a whole lot better explaining all this than I am. So this is a frank conversation with Todd.
All right, on the phone with me right now is extended experiencer and friend of the field. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Toby. How are you? I'm good, man. Good. It's uh, good to hear your voice and uh, finally get an interview with you because when I think of experiencers, extended experiencers of the supernatural Sasquatch element, um, I really have no place to start except with Todd's story. And uh, rather than me try to tell it for you, I will just say that the um, audience is in for a big treat. This is what I would call a hard get. And uh, Todd is willing to talk to us about uh, his experiences and his walk with Sasquatch. So um, without further ado, you take it from here, Todd. Well, I uh, like to put out that um, I, I was born and raised in a small town, a logging community. Um, they uh, didn't really, as a child, really have too much of Sasquatch. Of course, you know, we were always watching in search of and also very aware of the Bob and Gibbon um, and Patterson footage. Um, but really not too ex exposed to that. Uh, when... Uh, how I got exposed to Bigfoot was in November of uh, 89, and that was my uh, first sighting. I had I sighted two of them, and I kind of kind of was scared. I didn't go back into the woods for about two years and stuff, and I finally decided that I was so curious about this creature that was out here that was undiscovered, uh, this ape man that's walking around the woods, and if I seen it, how come it's not? Um, hasn't been, you know, somebody hasn't caught it or it's not on the books of being recorded that we have this creature that walks around. And I started my journey and uh, I talked to my cousin and he was referencing to uh, go to some certain books and stuff and read about it and stuff. And I started to do that. And then I realized that nobody had a real uh, manual on Bigfoot. So I elected to uh, not read the books and go out and do my own journey with this. And I started from scratch. I had nobody telling me what I should experience or how I should experience it or what they're doing or, you know, and um, through, the, through the time of the first, I'd say the first four years of getting back in the woods and my curiosity and doing my own personal research in my area, um, I was still pretty well on the that on one side of the fence that this is an ape and it's a, a man looking ape that walks around in the woods. Um, I ended up after, after that, I had a few strange behaviors um, that uh, kind of steered me down a different road that it was kind of like this, this is a little bit more of an intelligent creature um, doing, doing certain things, but knowing, um, the aspects almost of like, it knew what I was going to do before I even knew I was going to do it. Um, which told me it had logic and it was doing thinking and had experiences with humans and stuff. And so I was still thinking eight man, but, uh, real intelligent. And then as the, uh, I would have to say about eight years into my journey, I kind of realized this creature had other things that it could do that uh, 
it, it, it really it really bothered me because my mindset and what I wanted to fit fit into the box, it just wasn't fitting anymore. But I couldn't deny the experiences I was having um, with these creatures. And as that time went on, it just it developed and developed. And I actually, uh, one of the creatures, I had asked his name and he told me Maha. Um, Maha has been with me for a few years. Uh, I lost my parents in 2016 and I had to ask him and his family to step away because I had so much on my plate at that time that I needed to break away from Bigfoot. And uh, I, so they gave me that opportunity um, to be able to step away. I was able to go camping and not have uh, them coming around camp. It, it just made me a little bit more relaxed. I could just sit around the campfire and just relax and uh, be with my thoughts. Um, so there's a lot of stories that led up to me saying that they're interdimensional creatures um, that had occurred and it's been a slow process over 30 years and what I have witnessed and what I have um, been able, um, a, a few people have been able to share that with. It's really strange of how this happens and you can be with one person and have a, a lot of activity come up you know, going on while that you're with your friend and you could bring a different friend up and there's no activity. So it's, there's a dynamic that goes on with friendship and how they, um, how they expose themselves and people that they don't expose themselves to or people that they, well, um, uh, they don't make mistakes in my book. Um, and people, they choose just to have, okay, have one sighting or one little episode, and then that's it for them. Uh, for me, it's been an ongoing thing uh, ever since I was about the age of 22 from my first sighting, uh, ongoing things throughout my, my life. Um, that's kind of the rough draft of my, my journey and uh, my... Uh, story that I would like to, to tell is a story that um, it came, uh, we went up into uh, the Sisters Wilderness area and we developed a, a hut up there, uh, my son and I. And we ended up backpacking back into an area that's completely off the trail, got back up into a canyon area up in there that nobody goes to. There's no people walking through there. There's no need for anybody to walk through there. And we, my, my boy had this feeling is we woke, we ended up hiking in there that day and it got dark. So we decided to lay our sleeping bags just down on the ground and just bivouac out. And uh, we woke up the next morning and my boy is sitting there and he's looking up the hillside and he says, dad, um, these, this is where they want us to be. This, I, for some reason, these, this area, this rock and stuff, this, this is what I've seen in my head. Um, and so we decided to build a shelter there. We had a, it was the shelter was covered. We made 
things. We leveled the ground out. We had a big, huge boulder that we made fire against. So we had a, we could, we could uh, have a fire inside the hut too. Um, and through all that, our, our first thing that really happened was um, why we were building this hut. We kept on hearing something like talking. And at first I was thinking uh, um, like a porcupine but the porcupine, it, it, it kind of, if you hear a porcupine, they're really, you know, they kind of, they kind of talk kind of babbling sound and stuff, but it's so faint, you know, you really got to pay attention. This wasn't faint. And um, it kept on, we kept on hearing this as we was building it. Um, the next time in, we ended up having a, a sighting with him and he was, he's very large. He's, he's going to be 12 plus. He's, he's a very large, um, I want to say man, a Sasquatch. And, um, he basically was up on, uh, just above the hut. And as we kept on looking at each other, he went back and he stuck back behind a tree. And then that was it. That was, that was just deciding. It was kind of like, I'm here. That's it. Um, uh, and we decided not to go up there and investigate until we decided that it was time to leave. And I think we stayed there three days at that time. But when we went up there, he did leave us some tracks too. So, uh, I'm not a person that goes into casting this. Um, I'm not here to, uh, I don't, I never felt the need that I needed to prove this. Uh, family and friends have been with me. They know, they know what my journey has been and that's good enough for me. Um, I, um, uh, oh, I don't know where to go from here. Well, you've said some really interesting and profound things and knowing you, Todd, like I've known you and watching your journey, you know, um, maybe I guess for the better part of almost nine years or 10 years, getting close to that, um, there's been a transition. What people should know too is that Todd and I didn't always work well together in the field because while Todd was kind of busily trying to wrap his mind around how this works and kind of feel his way like a shaman, I was more of the kind of like, well, we got to go down here and, uh, you know, cast this and make sure that we do it this way and invite these people out and um, complicate things and kind of um, screw up scenarios that could have been, and my, you know, looking back, probably a lot better, more smooth. Um, and uh, so I don't always have the best memories of going out with you because there was always this conflict back and forth. But now we're here, it's 2020. Um, God knows I've learned a lot about this and still am. But, uh, you know, I think of your approach along the way as far as things that you would do. Like if you saw a track, you would squash it with your foot and kind of move on. That kind of stuff would piss me off. But now I kind of understand <laughs> your approach with why that would happen. And I'm not saying that I would do that, but I understand the man behind what I call the madness at the time. Now, you use the word also that you were investigating things early on. I'll tell people flat out that Todd is uh, a professional tracker. Now you may not have any degrees behind you, but you grew up in the bush. You're a bush person and you know the bush and you know how to track an animal. 
but I think you know how to track a manimal too. And um, when did you start to kind of turn off these switches more and more from going from investigator to this guy who's kind of now having, you know, a medicine man approach to all this? Um, I believe it's, it's, it's when um, I'd have to say, uh, there was an episode that was you, you were you were uh, with us, and we call it Paranormal Sunday. And for some reason, uh, and people call it being zapped, and I don't know if I'd call that being zapped. I don't, I don't want to phrase it as being zapped. This sounds weird, but um, I was totally well. You witnessed this, so I was put, totally put on the ground. Uh, I lost all my energy. I couldn't walk. Uh, I had to have, um, help out of the woods. And then the following, the following day I kept after that, I kept on getting like, at first I thought it was my inner voice, but my inner voice was asking me questions like, where are you at? What's your location? Well, why would my inner voice ask that if I already know where I'm at? And then I started realizing, and I had this, um, and this is like the second day after Paranormal Sunday, um, I, was, I was sitting on my couch. I had my cat on my lap, and I'm sitting there petting my cat, but it was like something, somehow something was looking through my eyes and, and touching and petting the cat other than me. And it was so, I think they would call, I think it would be called, I would say that's kind of like remote viewing a little bit um, and the mind speak. And it just, it, it got crazy for me during that period of time because I just did not understand what was going on. And it was confusing me a lot, but I also spent, um, thought about it and I'm, I'm I, you know, I was ready to, take myself and admit myself to a mental ward. But after I realized what was going on and I started becoming terms with it, 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 it's a two-way channel. You can also ask them questions and they will allow you um, to, they, they maybe not answer your questions, but they will allow you to intervene with them um, by communication back um, and um, it's uh, it's it's hard to ex- explain the emotions and feelings that you can pick up off of them as much as they pick off emotions and feelings from you. Um, I've had times where some of the emotions that for some reason um, I I just started to cry, and I didn't realize it, but this it was um, a Sasquatch that was unhappy, sad. And I couldn't really understand why I was crying. Uh, and I'm not a person that just all of a sudden breaks down and starts crying. Um, but I did. And it was an emotion that I was feeling from a, a Sasquatch that was being projected into me. Um, a lot of people will say I'm, imp- uh, to, um, what do I want to say? An empath. Um, path. Yeah. And um I would have to agree with them. Uh, for years, I ignored that part of it. I just thought everybody had this. Everybody, you know, everybody had this. But then as I got older and people said, you know, are telling me, oh, you're able, you, you can do this, you know, and stuff. Um, it's, um, and we all can do this. We all can. Uh, we just forgot how to 
how to do this. We've lost that um, capability of uh, not knowing of how, how to do this. And if you take time and you just relax and um, project, you know, you uh, uh, project yourself out there, um, putting your energy out there, um, there, there are things that are listening um, to what you have to say that way. Okay. Um, and, and so your, your walk here with this, we'll call it a one-way street because so often of what we're talking about here, and I'm trying to condense this down to the bare bones of what we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say. I don't, I don't know what necessarily everybody's trying to say with this because it is so confusing at times, but there's this one-way street, and I think you know what I mean by that, where they can suss out your intentions. Talk about that and what the, what that's like to to go through that because it feels a little bit intimidating. Oh yeah, it, it is intimidating because it's unknown. Um, that um, that feeling of uh, having something kind of share your let's say your mind space <laughs> um, is it's 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 scary, and you have to. Uh, be able to take yourself and um, relax and uh, say it's okay. And um, I've had great people uh, ex- help explain it to me. Um, Tom Powell, for one, he, he helped me through a lot of this and helped me understand a little bit more about what I was going through. Um, but this totally got me when this started happening. It, it, I totally could not say this is this uh, an ape man that's walking around in the woods. There's, there, you know, this is so much more. It's it's like what the Indians would say is spiritual, very spiritual being. Um, some are not so friendly, and some are brothers keep your their distance, and some are friendly. And I think the the ones that are friendly actually pick up your intent of what you're what you're doing. And when you seem like you take and you start bringing the cameras and you start bringing this. Um, they'll do a little bit of, you know, of doing things. You'll pick up stuff here and there. Um, but when you uh, allow yourself just to go down that journey and not, uh, try to, I need to get the proof. I got to do this. I'm going to bring it, bring it to the table. Um, it, it seems like they'll get a, a lot closer to you. Maha had the opportunity. We, uh, my son and I had been talking. We were at the hut at a different time, but we had been talking about the cloaking. Do they really cloak? Is this a possibility? Is, is you know, as people said, said they, they cloak, but I've never, never witnessed this. And we had the opportunity to actually watch him cloak himself. And he sh- showed, he, he cloaked himself and it was so, it was just like, and anyway, I'm, uh, it's a shimmering area, and it, if he puts his arms out, you can see the shimmering of an arm on both sides and stuff. And he had walked up the hillside. We watched this totally. It was in plain sight of us. And um, and then he walked, stood there for a little bit up on the hillside from us, and we're watching this shimmering. And then he went back behind a hut where we couldn't see, and that was the last of it. And that was that was probably a full a full minute. 
maybe maybe a little bit longer, but about a, about a minute of watching this. So watching him cloak, it was a slow process, and it was it was kind of interesting of of the. Um, one thing I noticed when I went back and I thought about that is that before he, before he went into this cloaking, there felt like there was this energy, a, like a buzz sound going on and then a pop. And, um, but you could feel like, a, like there's static electricity going on in the air. It was really, it was kind of strange, but it, it took me, uh, I think when, after I experienced that with my boy and came back and, uh, about two days later, I talked to him. I said, you, did you pick up like static, you know, like energy, static electricity in the air? And, and he, he said yes and stuff. Um, but at that time, it was just, it was, I was just amazed. And I was no longer scared. I'm going out in the woods, you know. Uh, I would go up there by myself sometimes. And I would go up there and I'd take, a, take my best friend or take my son up there. And we were, um, there was only three of us that would go up there. Um, we never, never invited anybody else or anything for this because we, all three of us just felt it was our own personal journey with this. It wasn't something that we were out to prove. We were out to experience instead of prove it. Um, the capabilities of what these things can do are just, it's, a, it's a mind boggling. It's uh, absolutely amazing. Um, they're definitely something to do with interdimensional. Um, they're able to, to do things, uh, frequencies. Um, they're, uh, it, I, I just can't say how amazing and it always, it always amazed me is how you can be, um, I've seen numerous different trackways and the trackways I have always mind boggled, mind boggled me that for, You'd sit there and all of a sudden you're walking through the mud. You've been walking through the mud for 50, 60 feet. And then all of a sudden here's a track and there's another track and then there's another track. And then there's another, you know, a hundred yards of mud, but then the tracks just stop. They, there they are and there they're not. And that is to, for me, it's always been kind of like they, it's almost like they're skipping skipping across this veil, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, they're in, they're out, they're mm -hmm. in, they're out, you know. Um, but it, that's always been interesting to me. And then as I went down my journey with the, the tracks, I always found it very interesting. Nobody, nobody really out there talks about that aspect. Say so they get the tracks, they cast them, they do all this, but then they don't want to talk about why the tracks just stopped in a mud hole or, um, you know, um, never did understand why that was never brought up. I guess a lot of people would would be in that realm of, you know, if I bring that up, then nobody's going to believe me. Um, fortunately for me, um, you know, the people that know me, they, they know what I'm talking about. I've showed them this stuff, you know. Um, so I've been able to be really fortunate with not having pressure put on me about how I should do, go about and do this. I just kind of, let's just say, I, I, I did it my own way. Yes, you did. And I was privy to that because <laughs> there was a little bit of conflict of interest along the way here because of the fact that we're both sharing an experience that was so profound 
um, let's go back to one of those profound moments where you and I were initiated with what I think might be the, the second lights I saw, maybe the first lights you saw. I don't know that to be true, but I'm talking about over Earl's house and over the Pitball Breeder's house. We, we went up to the area that I call Oz, uh, where I'd seen these magnificent lights with uh, my girlfriend, Beth. And you and I went up in a rainstorm and we saw a flicker of light, a little white flicker of light in a rainstorm, which was much smaller than the initial light. But, um, you know, talk about that moment. Yeah, I, it wasn't just, a, it was it was like somebody turned on the faucet. I remember that night, it was, it was coming down and it didn't let up. But anyways, yeah, there was, uh, as we got up there, I believe there was a helicopter landing pad, it looked like. And uh, as we got up there, yeah, it was that, there was that flicker of light that was up there. And then, um, yeah, we started walking up towards it. Um, and uh, we ended up off to my, I remember that, yeah, that night on the left side, I seen something uh, kind of move dark. And I don't know if you remember this, but I started laughing. I think I think that's one of the things I use once in a while with my coping skills. I start laughing. <laughs> but I don't know if that's good. I I I can say that you don't want to uh, make fun of these things or provoke them. It, that provokes. Uh, you don't. I tried that one time. Don't provoke. Um, they do a lot of laughing so, too, just to. Uh, you know, put the record straight. There's oh, a lot of laughter on there and at us at our expense. Yes. Yes, there is. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't try to call them out because you're, you're, it's not going to turn out well. And, uh, that's a, that's a whole other story there. I don't, I don't know if you would really want to get into that one. Uh, not to, I haven't told too many people this, this story. I think you're, you're aware of it. I, I seen you that I believe you were mm. up at Fox Canyon with my cousin mm. and, uh, I came uh, down and I, I had a, yeah, you said you, you reek. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, let's let's start from the beginning here because this is a little bit of a complex story, but it, it reaches into um, how this can kind of drive a person mad, can expose them to yeah. madness um, and drive them to all sorts of, you know, lifestyle choices that m- may be a little bit dark. And it's to get away from this madness and numb it. Now, we're talking about an area near a place called Cougar Reservoir. That's all we'll give you. And in Cougar Reservoir, there was a missing person report. That's all we'll give you on that one. I've mentioned the name before, but I'm not going to mention it now. And uh, Todd, you were up there following up on this missing person report while simultaneously, I was just coming up with your cousin, Small World, and Mm -hmm. hanging out at a campsite where there was a, uh, we'll call it a class A sighting of some kind. So, you know, here I am with your cousin. I hear (laughs) your dragon wagon coming on down the road. It had a very familiar (laughs) purr. And I was like, oh my God, that's your cousin. I yell out, Todd. And uh, I hear the brake squeal. And uh, Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking the the woods just called my name out. You know, like, (laughs) <laughs> All right, you take it. You take it from there, and uh, you know, tell people about why you're up there. And uh, this is a great story, so I'm going to shut up. Okay. 
So my uh, best friend and I, we David Pilates is four one one stuff, and when I says, you know, there's a lot of that missing people stuff that just in our local area in Oregon that uh, people are never found and stuff. And uh, we ended up up on this trail where uh, a missing person is gone and stuff. And I had told my friend, I said, hey, let's go up there and kind of look at the train and 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 see what the train looks like. You know, I'm kind of curious about this and. And I've always, you know, some people say, well, Bigfoot took them. And I, I'm not totally sold on that, you know, or I don't know. I wasn't there. So, uh, so anyways, we, I said, Let, let's go up there. And he says, yeah, that'll be interesting. So as we're hiking this trail, which follows a, um, um, a creek up. So you got a creek that's coming down. You're following it up on a trail that's just parallel with the creek. And on both sides of the creek are uh, steep bankments. You know, it's very steep. So if you wanted to get up there, there would be a reason why you would climb that hillside. Other than that, I, I just don't see taking a, a Sunday stroll up the hillside like that. So I was kind of, when I got up in there, I started looking at the terrain. I said, how, do, how would somebody get lost in here? I mean, the creek's right here. The trail's right alongside of it. And look at these bankments, you know. Um, and we're talking older older people have been lost up in there and stuff. And uh, So... I couldn't understand how somebody could get lost in there um, because there was just so much, uh, um, the terrain was so definite, it would guide you out of there anyways. Um, So later that night, we made a camp up there and I decided to uh, provoke and I started yelling out into the woods, are you guys doing this? You need to knock it off. Don't do this stuff. And I put out the real strong vibe, you know, that knocked us off. Don't take these people and stuff. Um, we uh, stayed around the campfire. I uh, had had said a few words because of my frustration with them. And it, they were some cuss words. But so I did, I provoked quite hard. My friend said, don't, you know, you, you definitely provoked. So, I went to sleep that night. I got into my, my zero bag. I zip it up and I'm, I'm going to sleep and this campfire is dying down and I'm uncomfortable. And the next morning I wake up and I'm not in my sleeping bag anymore. I'm above the, above on the hillside and I'm waking up with these ferns draped over my head, wondering what, what the heck. And I, I get up and I, I, I had, it took me a while to figure out where I was. And I finally looked down the hillside and I could see uh, my friend in his hammock and I could see my sleeping bag there. And then I started to, uh, this smell. And then I looked at my shirt and it was, oh, geez, this smell is like, I don't know if you've ever smelt a, an elk waller of just piss. Uh, just, I, I just reeked. And I thought, man, did I... You know, did I have an accident of my own, you know, that maybe I, maybe I peed on myself, you know? So I looked down at my, my crotch area is completely dry. So I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Why am I up here? And why do I have piss? My shirt was just drenched and part of my uh, right side pant legs were just drenched in this. So I, I go back down to camp and I'm waking my friend up. I say, Hey, what's going on? And the first thing he says, as he's opened his eyes, what is that smell? And I go, and I said, I, I think, I think something peed on me last night. 
And so I take and I, I just go, I'm going down to the stream. I'm ripping my clothes off. I'm going to get this off. me. So I go down the stream. I rip all my clothes off. Of course, all my, I had other set of clothes in my backpack. So I walk bare ass naked through the woods up to my backpack and I'm sitting there and I unzip my backpack and I just go, oh, you got to be kidding me. And when I unzip my backpack, the cl- dry clothes I had in there, there was so much piss in my backpack that I tore everything out of there and I literally dumped, I poured out piss out of my backpack. And then I, then my next thought was, wait a minute, I had to unzip my backpack to get into it. How, how my outside of my backpack wasn't pissed on, but the inside was all pissed on. And that made me realize that there's something out here that doesn't necessarily have to open the door to get into, get into someplace. It can literally get in. And I, I go, and I think my next words is, okay, checkmate. You got me. Um, that, that is the most, uh, strangest story. And I know it's a strange story and thank God I had somebody with me to experience this, that, you know, can say, no, Todd, this really did happen because this is, this is where you start losing your sanity is like, mm. gosh, you know, if I would, would have been by myself, I don't mm. think I would have ever told this story, <laughs> you know? Uh, but since I had somebody there that verifies and helps, helps me understand that, yeah, that mm. truly did happen. Um, that was just unreal. And I decided at that point, there would be no more provoking of anything. I, you know, I'm not saying I didn't see a Sasquatch that night. I didn't see anything, but I just know that this is what happened to me that night. Um, and then it was, as we hiked out, of course, my friend, he's sitting there, he goes, no, you're not walking in front of me. You're going to walk way back behind me because you stink. So I had to put my old, pissed on clothes back on <laughs> and walk out of there while my eyes and nose is running. My eyes are burning from all this. And we get back and I'm it's like, really oh, I got to get in my vehicle now. It's better to have a smart friend. Better to have a smart yeah. friend than just a friend, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... So anyways, yeah, and we left there and it was shortly after that is when I ran on to you and my uh, my cousin up there. And I believe that night, Toby, uh, we went up to, uh, that's when I had my uh, black lab with me. He was a young pup. Yeah, my, my dog was with me too and he never barked or did anything. That's interesting. I, also, another thing about dogs, we had, we had one walk through the camp, leave tracks, and there was three dogs there. The dogs never did anything. Okay, so that, I find that kind of interesting. But Anyways, it was that night that we seen, we went up there to the meadow area at that trailhead and we were able to see some orbs that were yeah. popping around. Wasn't that that night? Yeah. So uh, picture this, here we are in this remote valley. All of a sudden I hear what I'm calling uh, Todd's dragon wagon, which I have to describe your vehicle here for the audience. Describe yeah, describe what you're yeah. driving at the time. You know, ha- no longer have this beauty, do you? But I want people to understand yeah. what you roll around in the small town with. Okay, so I uh, I got into uh, uh, automotive refinishing, and then I hooked up with a, uh, a guy that was uh, we 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 were doing custom paint jobs, and for years I we we uh, 
we were doing everybody's vehicle except for our own, uh, kind of like a mechanic's vehicle that runs the worst. But uh, I decided uh, uh, I'd like to do this, and everybody pitched in. I didn't have to pay for any materials and stuff like that. And so we did wood paneling down the side and stuff. And I decided, well, it would look kind of neat if the wood paneling looked like it was on fire. So we put a breathing fire dragon on the top of the hood. So uh, we decided to start calling the dragon wagon, right? Uh, so this is what I ruled around with in a, in a redneck town logging community, you know? And, and it sounded like, like a dragon when it came down the road. I mean, it had a, I'm trying to, was it a Durango, a Dodge Durango? It was a Dodge Durango, yeah. Yeah. And it had and power. It, had, it, it's, it, felt it, like, had, uh, it felt like it had power and you drove 100 miles an hour everywhere you went in that baby and uh, people knew when Todd came to town. Well, that's because I liked the way it sounded. It sounded like it meant business. <laughs> yeah, it did. So I hear this coming down this old highway in the middle of the woods with your cousin. You, you hit the brakes, come back up and your first words to me when you hopped out of the car weren't exactly what I was expecting. You reached in the back of the dragon wagon, grab uh, some wet car hearts and said, here's your, right. fucking, here's your fucking evidence. And it slapped against my chest. And I said, <laughs> what have I got myself into here? And um, then I smelt, I'll never forget the smell. The smell was like uh, ammonia. It reminded me of a feral animal. It reminded me of a cat, actually, which got me thinking like, okay, did he have a cougar sneak up on him and he doesn't know it? Did he get pissed on by a cat? The detail, the cruncher of it all is the dog and the fact that it was an unzipped bag, right? I mean, it was zipped up fully. Yeah, for me, for me, that was the dead giveaway. A cat's not going to, I can, a cat's going to piss, maybe piss on me. Um, I, I doubt it. Um, never heard, never heard a cat pissing on anybody before or opening up a bag and pissing on the inside of the bag and then closing it again. Um, So yeah, that, I was so. That, well, was, just go ahead. Yeah. I, I just want to tell people that when he when he threw that at me, and I looked at you in the eyes, I I knew right then that something life altering had happened to a guy. In the same way that you would look at a guy who just got back from a, a war footing. I mean, it, it was that kind of look you gave me, like you know, I'm somewhere else, you're over here, and now I've experienced the impossible, you're never going to believe me. And, um, and it took me a while to understand what, what exactly had happened, because it happened to me several days later. But then we, we head up to the mountains, and uh, we go to this horse camp, that's what I called it. And at the horse camp, mm-hmm. uh, we had access to Basically, it's a saddle on top of the Three Sisters Wilderness overlooking the Three Sisters. And um, Oh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful area. Beautiful. Right. Up there. And, and so uh, describe the scene as the sun starts setting. There's me, you, your cousin, and I believe his daughter who has a brand new Canon uh, uh, digital camera. And um, yeah, she wanted, Yeah, she wanted to try that out. Yeah, yeah, and things started unfold. Explain what you remember. Well, I um, I remember that you and uh, my cousin's daughter was walking out into kind of an open area. It's kind of a meadow, 
little bit, little bit of a swampy meadow, but a meadow area. And uh, I can't remember if it was you that said, what's, I see a light first and then, or she no, said, yeah, I see a light. She, she thought somebody had a headlamp on across the meadow. Yeah. So me, I, I'm hearing your guy, John and I are still, my cousin's John. Uh, we're still standing at the vehicles, but we could hear you guys talk. And then you start, you know, saying this and headlamp. So my first thing is I got my map out of that uh, um, out and I started looking for a trail that would be over there, you know, that would be on the map and nothing showed up. Or I started looking for a road, road area, headlight, headlights, and there was nothing there. Um, and then you guys had seen it a few more times. These, um, they're orbs, um, um, a few more times. And then while we were standing at the vehicle, um, John had said, Oh, look at, you know, look at that. And by the time I lifted my head up, it was gone. And I, and he, he says, did you see that? And I said, no, I, I didn't see anything. And he's seen it probably about three times before I seen it. And then I finally, okay, I seen that. I seen that. And it was absolutely, um, definitely an orb. I sat there and looked, looked at it for a while. But what's really strange with these orbs, they, they would come on and then they go off. And I've had other experiences with orbs where they come on and they'll just kind of wander through the forest a little bit. And I believe my cousin's daughter captured that on film. I think she got a photo of one on that. She absolutely but, did. Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. bright red orb about, uh, I'd say, maybe 45, 50 feet off the deck. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was high in the tree. So I went over there and I was, I kind of did my investigating because I, I always have to go over to see what I'm, you know, in the area that I'm seeing something. So I was looking for any like shiny metal that was laying on the ground that could project light or reflectors or anything. I could not find anything that would uh, project that light. Um, so I was pretty confident what we were seeing was an orb that night. You know, there was an, I went up there um, probably shortly after that, Toby, uh, probably about two, three weeks after that. And I went up there by myself and I had, had my pickup and I uh, ended up, I was sleeping in the back of the canopy and I got a phone call. Uh, my, you know, you remember my old dog Brutus and my right. daughter, we had phone reception up there. Uh, and uh, no, I was able to get a text from her and the text says, you know, he's not doing very good and stuff. So it was about 1230 at night and I took and I got the text and I said, okay, I'm on my way home. So I just basically crawled out of the canopy and was going to shut the door and get in the pickup and start heading home, you know, for my dog. And uh, when I opened the canopy and I finally stepped down off the back bumper and stuff, I looked up and there was two orbs that were just hovering right there. And the only, the only thing that came to mind, because my dog was more important, uh, the only thing that came to mind is like, I'm sorry, I can't hang out with you guys. I, I have to go, my dog, and I got I to gotta get going. And I got my pickup. And when I got my pickup, I looked in my rearview mirror and through the canopy, I had clear glass. Um, I could see these two orbs following me down the road for a while. And then as I went around the corner, I caught view of them in my side mirror. And I, and I thought to myself, well, how, how far are these things going to follow me, follow me out through here? And as soon as I got around that next corner, I didn't see any sign of them. And I thought that was so interesting because to me, it felt like 
these things had intelligence, you know, to follow me. It kind of, kind of like I got this feeling like we understand this, like, um, you got, you know, you got to go, but, but yeah, that's a, that's a really unique place up there. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go, but we'll be waiting. And that seems to be the, uh, you know, the way this works is that, uh, if they don't want you to know they're around, they're not going to show that they're around. And, uh, oftentimes I, I think that when they show themselves, if especially if it's not a rough encounter, um, it's an invitation to come back and give you more in what I would call one of these kind of secret initiations or these secret schools for individuals. And you are a part of the secret school and it hasn't necessarily been an easy road for you to travel along the way. Um, do you feel comfortable talking about the challenges of getting over this mentally? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Um, you know, when you have certain experiences and um, I've had, had them very close to you and you kind of wonder how they got so close without you hearing, hearing them, um, it has developed, um, I'm going to say PTSD uh, for me. Um, it's taken a while. I think I was trying to look at, uh, for a while in my life, I think I was trying to find the answer in the bottom of a bottle at, at times, you know, um, to calm things down for me. And that's what I would say, you know, to some people, be careful what you wish for. It might happen and it might not be all cozy that, you know, they might not be, um, trying to harm you or do anything, but it is really shocking. It's really, um, troubling when you're um, having these experiences and it's so far out and left field that you just, um, you don't know. And, and unfortunately, you know, with my kids that have gone out, um, um, my daughter has seen one and my, my son has seen one and uh, they, they both have, a, we've talked about this, you know, both we, we, all three of us help each other out with this and say, it's okay. You know, this is, this is real and we've never been hurt. We've never had any injuries um, in the early days when they, when they were intimidating and trying to throw rocks and throw tree limbs over the top of you and stuff. They never hit us. And I know at any given time, they could have hit us with a 20 pound boulder right in the side of the head and that would have been it. But they never did. It was an intimidation. And uh, it seems like once you get past that intimidation thing, things will things start settling down um, and um, they start conveying. It's like, it's like you said, school, you, you go through this process of uh, they show you a little bit at a time so you, you can digest what you're, what's happening and it gives you time to, to uh, digest this. But uh, uh, maybe I didn't d digest a few things as well. Cause it was scary, you know, of, uh, knowing that I went to bed in a sleeping bag laying next to the Creek and I'm waking up on the hillside with ferns in my face. Now that to me, that's, that's a little bit scary that I didn't know what happened or how I got there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that created some PTSD for me. And so I've been able to, um, take my last few years. I've stepped away from it. Uh, like I said, my parents have passed away in 2016 along with a lot of other close family members during that period of time. And um, I 
basically had to uh the one that stays with me is alongside me to uh maha to step to the side and let me have this space because i got things i got to work through away from you guys because you're just gonna you're 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 it's just gonna make it worse if you guys are trying to you know um be around me and stuff i just need to be with my thoughts of my family right now and they did I drew a line in the sand and they respected that. And uh, the mind speak and stuff went away. Um, every once in a while, I got a little, every once in a while, kind of like a little call up, we're still here. Um, um, I had um, had had this dream that wasn't really a dream. I would have to say it's more of a vision quest um, with Maha. And uh, uh, we were sleeping up on top of this mountain that was... Uh, one way in the trail that led up to the rock rock cliff all the way around us. And it was just an epical area where you can see down uh, to Northern California and up to uh, Southern Washington through the whole Cascade mountain range. It was so clear that night and that day. Um, but the, I had this vision that I seen myself rise out of my body in Maha. He says, come with me. I want to show you something. And I was not afraid and I went with him and we walked back down the trail that we came up earlier that day. And we went up and we stood at the side of this big boulder, this rock. And he, go, and he tells me, he goes, now step into this. And I'm arguing with him in, in my vision. I said, I can't do this. I can't step into this. And it's a, it's a rock, you know, you're, I can't step into solid rock here. There's no way. And he says, no, all you get, you can do this. You forgot how to do this. Step into this. And I stepped. The next thing I was in my front room of my house standing and everything shut off. The dog's not there. Nobody's there. And I'm like, how in the heck did I get here? And then I was, got into a panic because I realized my dog is up on the mountain. So I'm going to jump back in my pickup and run back up there. I go to the window. I look outside and my vehicle's not there. And then I went, oh, yeah, that's right. My vehicle is back up on top of the mountain where, where my body is. And I got in, then I started panicking a little bit. And I was like, well, how do I get back? You know, I, do I step through the wall? Do I step through another rock? How do I get back? And then, and then all of a sudden I was back and it felt so much like, so much like a vision quest thing um, up on that mountain other than a dream. And then, and then all of a sudden I, I, all of a sudden I was back in my body and I sat up and I, I sat up to the most beautiful sunrise that morning. It was just, that was epic. I just remember sitting there digesting this, vision I just had and I'm just sitting there with this wonderful uh sunrise that was going on um but I really believe that that was a vision and one of my questions was is like this mountain it always seemed like this mountain a lot of people go up there and it's always been I go you know it's like a draw up here so I started doing research on just the mountain and uh mineral contents and a lot of quartz and a lot of this and then I very little information. I had to go to uh, uh, OSU and pull up some stuff that they did on the California Indian. And that mountain is actually carbon dated 40 million years 
of age was, if you look at the sisters, the sisters are only around 2.5, I think is the oldest one, 2.5 million, where this mountain's dated 40 million. This mountain's been here long, long time, okay? And um, then they started looking, and this was a place that the shamans and the young braves would go to for their vision quest was this mountain. And very little information about the Kalapuya Indians that were wrote down, but this was wrote down what, what mountain they went to out of the uh, uh, southern Willamette Valley area that they would travel. And I thought, oh, what a, what a coincidence, you know, that I would have a, a vision up there and find out later that this is where the shamans and young braves would go for their vision quest too. I think it kind of tied it together for me. You know, this, this is a special mountain. Wow. But, and I mean, that, yeah. that really reaches into um, the missing uh, experiences of people in the national parks, which I don't want to make too much of, but one of the, uh, I guess you call them parameters of Pilates books is that the boulder fields are hot spots. And here you are talking about utilizing a boulder. One of the things that happened in Cottage Grove at the Al Moon Lab was the sound of a sliding rock. It almost sounded like a wheel sliding across granite or two wooden slabs of granite, like a Bela Lugosi waking up from his tomb. And um, we could never figure out what that sound was. A lot of times it was really close, um, but... Um, you know, it makes me think uh, of what you're talking about. And I'd never heard that story uh, ever. Uh, that was during your quiet time, we'll call it. And uh, uh, what an incredible encounter. Yeah, it was, it, it, that, it was, it was life-changing. All, all, a lot of this is, has been life-changing and it's been a journey. And I have, you know, in my everyday life, it does affect it. And it does, it does take a um, where I, I look at things a little differently probably than most people, you know, and uh, um, uh, from having these experiences and stuff like this, you know, of course, my vision quest, nobody experienced it with me, but it, it was just absolutely, I can't explain, you know, you have a dream or you have a, you wake up from a dream and it felt so real. Mm -hmm. This was more like I was living my dream. It was like, I was actually there. Uh, like I, like I had left my body and I was spiritually traveling, you know, um, through this. Um, but yeah, the things that you can learn and things that you have to learn slowly, because if you try to, I think if they, if they figure if they hit you with a whole, whole here, here it is, it's on the table. I, I don't think uh, you, you could di digest it. I think we would have a hard time because we're so stuck in our ways and we think, you know, mankind, we think we know everything and out of all, all the knowledge of the universe, we probably only know 0.01% of knowledge. We're, we're so naive when it comes to what we think we know. We think we just know everything and we, we are so far from it. And there's so much more to learn um, than, than what, we, what we know or what uh, is told to us. No, and I've never been a person well, go ahead, Todd. What's that going to tell you? Go well, ahead, I, I told you I would check in with you, make sure um, that you have time to go on because we have so much ground to cover here. It'd be a shame to, you know, turn this interview off an hour in. Are you okay going on for a, a while longer? 
Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's see if we can, let's see if I can talk uh, another 20 minutes or so. Okay. I'll talk 30 out of you. Um, let me ask you this. There's so many specifics here that I feel like you can fill in as an experiencer and people are sick and tired of me telling these stories. Um, and you have your own stories that you want to tell, but, um, let's, let's go down to, uh, paranormal Sunday. Let's talk about what happened that night and to set the, the scene, uh, after about four or five days of casting this trackway called the London Trackway, a group of us met on a, a ridge line near where the trackway was found. And around 10 or 11 at night in a storm, six of us head up a ridge line. And um, we had a pretty interesting night. For me, it was pretty transformational. That would be one of the nights where it's just like, okay, now I'm super outgamed and in the world of utter magic. So go ahead and talk about what the heck happened on the Sunday after the London trackways and Cottage Grove. Yeah, that was pretty dynamic of how everything took place. There was a reason why how just I'll go into it, but there was a reason why everything happened in the order it happened. Very you don't realize it at the time, but days later you do realize that. But uh we all um it was a, a there was a gate and we had to walk up and we walked up this logging road and my cousin John was with, was with us. And, and, um, uh, as he got up the road, um, he started, it, it was strange cause he could see frustration building up in, in him. And I don't know really what the frustration was. And then you had said something very simple. I can't remember exactly what it is. And he said, fine, I'm just leaving. Right. I said, and, turn out. I think I said, please turn out your headlights or, hey, everybody turn off your headlamps. Something to that effect. Yeah. And he says, you know, whatever, fine. And he, he leaves, right? And that's kind of unusual behavior for John to kind of do that. You know, he's more of a, I'll shove it, you know, if I disagree with you, I'm going to let you know instead of just walk away. But he decided to walk away. And as, as we approached uh, up there, let's uh, see, there was, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five of us at this time, I believe. Um, and you had walked up with this, um, um, this, uh, a friend of ours. And, um, we went, we, you guys went one direction. We went another direction, um, three of us. And, uh, all of a sudden we decided that we were going to hook back up. And so we start walking and we start walking up the area that, uh, you guys had walked up and here you guys come. I hear, I hear this, you know, somebody, it sounds like a, an army marching on gravel, you know, somebody's making tail, you know, they're, they're moving on out, you know, I'm hearing this and I'm like, no, well, let's just wait here. They're coming towards us for some reason. And our friend, he, he's just like, I don't care. I'm, I'm out of here. I am getting, I, 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 you guys do what you want to do. I'm just going. And then he brought, he brought his friend and, uh, they, he, everybody was just standing there staring at each other. They didn't know what was going on, what, what you know, what's happening. Now, and, wait, hold uh, a, now, explain to people uh, just how prepared this friend of ours is when the shit hits the fan. He's no stranger to the shit hitting the fan. Is that correct? No, he, he's in a professional field. He deals with trauma and accidents all the time. Um, so he's, you know, he's got that level-headedness thinking, you know, keeps things in perspective and stuff but uh 
unfortunately, this wasn't um, one of those situations that he's been trained to deal with. Um, That's and putting it so, mildly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anybody's out there had this type of training. Although you might talk to some Navy SEALs, they might say that they've had training like this. But uh, um, they, uh, yeah, he just, he didn't care. I don't, I don't even think he even lose the, I think he just kept on stepping it out, was getting out of there. He didn't hesitate. He just says, I'm out of here. You guys do what you're going to do. You know, I'm out. And uh, th they left. And then we're sitting there looking at each other. Of course, you, you knew what happened. And then you were telling us how, all of a sudden he buckles up and falls to the ground and stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, at that time I was kind of thinking to myself, it's like, okay, who, I didn't really know this guy at this time. And I'm like, who is this guy? What is going on here? You know, is this, is this a skit, you know, <laughs> who they said put something together and stuff. So, I'm, you know, and then there's, there's us three left, um, Beth, you and me. And we decide like fools, Hey, let's go check this out. <laughs> and away we went. We're investigating. And we get up there and we get to the spot where he had gone down to the ground and, and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not feeling anything or anything. And then, and we started proceeding past that, walking up the road a little further. And then all of a sudden, bam, I just, all of a sudden, I just felt like I have no energy. Everything just was, I just have enough energy just to exist right now, just to keep my heart going. It was just, I was totally drained and it was, it happened so quick. It was literally, I'm, I'm fine. And then I took one more step and boom, I was in it and it, it, it felt so heavy. It was, and it all, it was, it was scary because I didn't, I, I didn't understand. I still don't understand what really happened, but this, it, it happened. I was feeling the physical of just, I can't do that. And then all of a sudden that was my first experience with mind speak. And I had a, uh, oh, I packed that 44 mag on my side and, uh, uh, it was all of a sudden, what do you, you know, I kept on hearing this, like, what do you have this, you know, what do you need that? Or what, what are you doing? And, and, and at one time I almost felt like unholstering and throwing it out in the woods. Like I was going to give it up or something. And I, and then I fought that and I was like, no, don't do that. And, and then we had walked around to the side of the road. And next thing I know, I'm laying on the ground. I'm on the ground. And I just felt like I, I, I felt like somebody gave me a drug and I couldn't, I couldn't move. And uh, when we decided it was time to get out of there, which wasn't too much longer, um, you and Beth had to help me up to get out of there. And as we walked away from that, area i could feel my energy but when we walked away from there i had such a feeling that on the as we've walking back down the road to our vehicles such a feeling of being escorted out of there like there was a, there was something down below the road parallel with us that was escorting us like making sure that we were leaving whatever was up there i didn't see a sasquatch or whatever but whatever was up there it was it did something to me that I have no idea and I can't, it's hard to explain of what it did other than I was, whatever, whatever did this was totally in control and was manipulating. It was in control of the whole situation during that whole time. It could have, it could have done anything. I think at that time, 
Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have enough energy to even reach down and pull my 44 out. It was, um, and I don't know if that's zapping or what people would call being zapped or anything. I've, I've heard people talk about it, getting nauseous and sick, but it was, it was such, it was, seemed to be a little bit more than that. And that's when my, um, uh, when I started registering um, something mind speaking to me, you know, and talking, talking to me and wanting to know where I was or, and, and ask me questions like, well, how would I get to your house? And how, how would this happen and stuff? And I'm just kind of like, and uh, uh, my mom being a very uh, religious person, and she knew the Bible inside and out. Uh, I talked to her about it and she goes, you know, the devil will fool you in many different ways. And, 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 uh, um, you know, when something's seeking you out, uh, like that, it's probably not good to make contact. And I kept on saying, I can't stop this contact though. It's calling me, you know, and I, I feel like I need to go take myself and put myself into a mental institution because it was being barbarded. And also our friend was, um, you gave me his phone number because he was having the same experience. So we were both going crazy at the same time, sitting at home, wondering what the hell happened. So we started communicating and we had the same story. He could finish my sentences and he, you know, he's like, this is what's going on with both of us. And then you uh, was able to give me a few phone numbers to people that would help. And uh, it was actually Tom Powell that kind of walked me through that a little bit of that experience. And, and it was nice to hear that other people have had this mind speak and stuff like that. But before that paranormal Sunday, I, w- I would have never believed in any of that stuff. I, w- I, I thought that was just, that was, you know, somebody's making stuff up or, you know, that was their, uh, how they portrayed of what happened and stuff. And it's not really what happened, but after experiencing it, you know, I have to say, I can't, I can't deny it. This, this actually happened. That really was the uh, grade school level, level or the kindergarten level experiences for both of us, you know, being initiated into all the weirdness. It was 2012. And then from there on out, it just got weirder and weirder. And there's layers of stories here and experiences to go over stuff that I'm dying to hear about. And maybe I can talk you into, you know, a part two of this down the road. And um, I certainly make my way down to your neck of the woods so we can maybe do that in person. Given the state of the world, though, right now, as it stands, I don't know how that will look. Um, Yeah. I just had a picture uh, sent to me of a Humvee rolling out in Cedra Woolley, Washington, um, and armored tanks. So that's probably not a good thing to get uh, sent to you by, uh, uh, you know, one of the insiders up there. So if I can make it down there and see you, I will, and uh, we'll talk some more. But um, I definitely appreciate you coming on the line here, and um, I hope this was a good experience for you, and um, it, you know, it leads to a type of healing, I guess, uh, along the way, because I think there's probably some, you know, some fresh wounds here that uh, could probably get healed by talking about it more. And um, I'm just glad that you're doing the talking for yourself and you, you don't have anybody doing it on your behalf. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's like uh, my girlfriend says, you know, she uh, had said, you know, you need to, you need to tell your story, you know, because, you need to get it out there because there's other people out there that may be experiencing this and stuff. And just to let them know 
it's okay, you know, and don't, 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 I wouldn't sit there and say that, you know, it's a big cozy thing and cuddle up next to it. I always keep things in perspective and be safe, you know, um, always, I, I wouldn't recommend going into the woods by yourself. I always recommend, you know, you have somebody with you and stuff like that. Um, these things don't only exist in the woods. They, they do roam around. They're able to do things and show up at places you would never think that they should be. Um, but yeah, this, this is something I need to get off my chest and, uh, and, and heal from it, um, from a, a certain things that's happened. And thank you for giving me that opportunity, Toby, to be able to uh, talk on your show here. Oh yeah, no, I've uh, been waiting for this for a long time, and um, uh, you know it's been nice having you on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again. But uh, you have a good afternoon, and be safe down there, Ben. Yes, make sure you wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Good talking to you, man, and um, have you a good too, day. All right. You too. All right. Again, that was an interview a long time coming. So I want to thank him for uh, reaching out to me to do that. I did not solicit this conversation and I'm really glad that we had it. And I think you can sense the transparency and honesty of all those moments, no matter how incredible they are. Plus, they involve other people. And I hope this turns into uh, a possible conversation Maybe quarantining will be the catalyst to have these deeper conversations about everything. And I sense this uh, level of connection uh, with everybody now that I, I just have not sensed since 9-11. And uh, it is occurring. Uh, this is part of that, I, I think. And um, so, I, like I said, I'm going to sit back and uh, hopefully this leads to greater conversations with Todd and other people involved. All right, great conversations are everywhere, but they're not necessarily in establishments with social distancing being the new phrase on everybody's quarantine lips. The best way to go to a conference, experience what you love, including the supernatural Sasquatch element, is to sign up for example, April 4th and 5th, the Sasquatch Rendezvous at SasquatchRendezvous.com. That's with a Z. Don't screw it up like I do. Uh, there is a Z in the middle. SasquatchRendezvous.com. Timothy Renner has just signed up to uh, speak as well. So if you know Strange Familiars, you know Timothy Renner's work, um, you can check that out. Ron Moorhead uh, will be given a presentation. And myself, they, these are live 45-minute conversations, two days worth. Um, you can share your pre-registration code to unlock this webinar, which is fully immersive, uh, you know, just completely impacted uh, with uh, the same thing that you would be if you were listening to it. Uh, you know, it's a digital conference with PowerPoint presentation and question and answer. All that. Be an audience member. 499 tickets, uh, uh, you know, are available because I bought the first one. So it's being uh, advertised globally. Tickets are selling globally right now. You can imagine people are locked inside their house. And um, so two days Check out the tickets at SasquatchRendezvous.com. Um, you get the pre-registration code. It's very simple. You click and your screen uh, goes right into Zoom.com. And then you are in the audience queue 
We've been busily rehearsing the tech side of this to make sure it's seamless. And um, in fact, we have a rehearsal again uh, tonight. So SasquatchRendezvous.com. Then coming up this week, April, I'm sorry, March 28th, a free stream with Tom Powell. You want to listen to Tom Powell. And of course, John B. Alexander, Colonel John B. Alexander, Skinwalker Ranch. And you can get those tickets also at zoom.com. But you got to go into the hyperlink at Strange Bow Radio's Facebook page, okay? And there you will see the events tab. Or you can just go to Tobe Johnson and you can check out my prior event tab links that I've put down there. And you will find uh, there are still tickets available. 500 people can be uh, put in on that screen as well. That again is the Skinwalker Ranch and Sasquatch Portals with John B. Alexander and Tom Powell. Uh, check that out as well. That is going to be from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. All right, that's it. Have a good whatever you're doing, and I will see you in the quarantine trees.